Would you all meet George Carlin? Hey, baby, what's happening? He was funny, he was smart, he was opinionated. I wanted to be just like him. He was just so cool. Here's the list of words you can't say all the time. They arrested me for profanity. The Supreme Court restricts the broadcast of dirty words. I'm going to jump to it right now. He's the Beatles of comedy. Because you have to be asleep to believe it. Michael, Jeff in Las Vegas, good morning. Good morning. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, man. I just love this documentary. It is fantastic. Congratulations. You know, one of the greatest comedians ever. I've been a fan since I was a kid. You know, uh, just his life and times. I I learned so much about his early life that I didn't know about. You know, I knew the, the comedian that we all see, but just fascinating to see how much of a backstory you had in the detail. And uh, it just gives me a, a greater appreciation of the man. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Judd and I are always so fascinated by, by the human beings underneath the art, you know, and, and uh, people's struggles and how they are able to, um, you know, overcome various things and, and, and turn their, you know, turn their creativity into something that uh, we all enjoy, you know? So um, I I think his, his early life really humanizes George and and takes him off this pedestal and helps you kind of understand who he was as a person. It's hard to believe it's been 14 years since his passing, you know, because my childhood, my teen years, my adult life, he's always been there. You know, especially being from Las Vegas, he appeared here many times, had all his albums, he shaped my sense of humor, my politics. I mean, it's amazing, you know, seeing so many clips in this of his routines and stuff that I still remember verbatim in my head that I haven't heard in in many, many years. And as a documentary filmmaker, you had a treasure trove of photos and recordings to pull from. Tell me about that, because it was just essential to this documentary. Yeah, I mean, you know, George was in so many ways such a dream subject um, for a, a documentary because he was a hoarder and he he obsessively kept everything throughout his life from, you know, recordings that he made as a kid back in the 40s uh, to little drawings and things from his childhood. And he, he always obsessively wrote down notes and ideas and things for jokes and he kept letters and um, recorded himself in private. And so um, it was just an extraordinary uh, trove of material that we had to work with. Especially all those early recordings and footage, you know, the suit wearing variety show comedian, that is yeah. so foreign to me. You know, I look at that, I'm like, who is this man? And it, and it, it took taking acid to release the rebel and that counterculture that gave us the George, George Carlin that I, that I love and know so well. Yeah, I mean, early on in his career, um, you know, it was at a time that comedy was kind of shifting a bit and it was coming out of, you know, the sort of post vaudeville era and comedians, you know, like Lenny Bruce, who was one of George's heroes, um, people like Nichols and May, Jonathan Winters, Mort Saul, um, who, who were pushing the boundaries of comedy and doing new things. And, and when George started off as a comedy team with Jack Burns, they were really kind of finding their way and trying out edgier stuff, but also seeing what works with mainstream audiences. And George sort of made a decision that he was going to go after mainstream success, but he found that it was stifling to him and he wasn't really being his true self. You know, I knew Burns and Schreiber growing up as a little boy. I had no idea that it was Carlin and Burns. I didn't know they were a team. Yeah. And Jack Burns actually had a huge, huge impact on George. He was the first person that, uh, you know, espoused progressive values and you know he was he was a champion of civil rights and integration and things like that and George had grown up um, you know his mother was quite conservative and 
And it, meeting Jack and connecting with Jack um, was a real political awakening for George. And, you know, being a Las Vegas native, you know, born and raised, fired at the Frontier Hotel in Las Vegas for saying the word shit. It's a family yep. show. I'll believe that. <laughs> and uh, it's just amazing. He was a champion for First Amendment. I always think of Larry Flint, you know, people versus yeah. Larry Flint and how he championed First Amendment. But George, all the effort he did, it didn't work. You know, it's, but now it's different. But back in his time, it was a failure because, you know, he he lost that battle. He did. And, and it's interesting, too, because some of those big battles now are sort of quaint because, you know, the FCC does not govern as much of what we take in as it used to. You know, back when there were three networks and everybody got all of their uh, information, entertainment and things from television, from broadcast television and radio. Now with the Internet and cable TV and, uh, you know, all these different ways of, of, of getting things that are not governed by the FCC. Well, we have ratings now. I feel that yeah. you have TVM. It should be like HBO. It's like, you know, it should be freedom of speech, you know, and that's how you should be able to see things like that. But now they're more worried about wardrobe malfunctions, you know, it just right. makes no sense. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because I had the early days of HBO we had when I was in uh, a little boy and we had that antenna on top of that of the roof, that one oh. box. And I always cherish all those early HBO concerts that George Carlin did, you know, place for my stuff, the seven words yeah. you can't say. So it's like, it was almost like a tradition uh, to see George's specials that were on HBO. So they have such a long history together. They, they do. He did 14 HBO specials, which was a record. And, you know, we, we take the, the stand-up comedy hour for granted now, but in, you know, in the seventies, that was not a thing that uh, existed. You know, it was brand new. Robert Klein actually did the very first HBO special. Um, and uh, it, it's, it, it was a, a new form of, you know, a, a, a stand-up comic going on stage for an hour and having that recorded and broadcast uh, was brand new. And George was really was a pioneer of it. And to see George transition from the counterculture to kind of like, you know, generic comedy, you know, like almost like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, a place for my stuff and, mm -hmm. and, and wordplay to go political. I mean, his last days were just on fire and his words ring more true than ever today, especially on social media. I can't go a day without seeing a meme without a quote from George Carlin. And I, I hope the younger generation understand that and, and embrace him. Yeah, and, and sometimes those memes have incorrect uh, quotes. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I noticed <laughs> but, that too. But one of the things that, that really drew us to the project was George's continued relevance. And, you know, every couple of weeks he trends on Twitter um, because the things that he was talking about, unfortunately, are still with us, you know, um, and uh, continue to be relevant. And he, he talked about core issues um, and not so much topical. I mean, he has some material where he calls out certain presidents and things like that or individuals um, in the public sphere. But for the most part, he was talking about the deeper values of our culture, of our species, um, and those things haven't changed. And to end our interview today, Mike, I got to tell you a story. I saw George Carlin many times here in Las Vegas growing up. And the first time I saw him was my senior year in high school. And I went to the Sahara Hotel, the Congo Room, to see George, George's concert. And uh, I was in line with my best friend. And we were talking about a sketch that we love called Indian Sergeant, which was in the documentary, Love. And I said, you know what? I wonder if he's going to do that tonight. So I walked over to the house phone, picked it up. And I said, George Carlin's dressing room, please. He answered. 
And I was like, and I said, hey, can you do Indian Sergeant? He goes, look, I got some new stuff tonight. You're going to love. Hey, after the show, come up and see me after, you know, after we're done. I'm like, so we went up there um, and that's when he did the seven words and he had the list and everything like that. And the audience was like 65 plus. They all left just disgusted. Of course, the younger people, I was the youngest one there. Um, we went up to his dressing room afterward and he just, he was there by himself. We walked in, we visited for 10, 15 minutes. And at the end, I asked him for an autograph, you know, and he goes, you know what, give me your address. And in the mail, he sent me this autograph picture, which I still have from 1984. I still have it. That is fantastic. Yeah, he really he had a reputation for always being really, really nice to all of his fans. And he had an experience when he was a kid, his hero, Danny Kaye, uh, he met at a stage door in New York and Danny Kaye was a jerk to him. And I think that maybe had something to do with why he always went out of his way to really be kind to his fans. And uh, he, he really appreciated all the love that he got from, well, from his fans. As a film critic for 25 years and a movie fan and TV fan, yeah, you meet some of your heroes and sometimes they're disappointing. Yeah. You know, so I, I totally understand is what happened. But I, I got some stories for that too, but George was the sweetest, sure. was the nicest. And uh, this documentary is a love letter to him. And I thank you and Judd Patel for this because it's just as a lifelong fan. I mean, I could not get enough of this. So thank you so much. That means a lot to us. Thanks so much, Joe. All right. Take care and good luck with the documentary. Thanks.